The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready for operational excellence? Welcome to the Visual Workplace, work that makes sense, where your host and visual workplace expert, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, shares powerful visual principles and practices to optimize your operations and make them safer, faster, better, and far less costly. The Visual Workplace. You can't get to excellence without it. Now, here's Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. Hi. Hi there. Welcome. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth, and you are at the Visual Workplace. Welcome this week. I'm your host on this, our weekly radio show about letting the workplace speak. In each of these shows, we look at some aspect of that, of how to embed the intelligence of our operational system into the living landscape of work through visual devices. We don't look at visual devices as point solutions, but as part of a system, part of an intelligent system, a language a language that captures the current level of our operational system. Even if we're not as excellent as we wish we would be, it captures that as a platform and allows us to use that platform made up of visual devices to improve, to go further. When we make our current operational system physical, specific, concrete, by way of visual devices, visual mini-systems, and these macro-systems, we can literally see how we think, and we can predict how that functioning will play out. We can predict our thinking, and we can go further because we've captured it. And why do we bother? Why do we bother to build this comprehensive platform? Because we want the bottom line benefit, 15 to 30% improvement in productivity on the operations level, an aligned and spirited workforce on the cultural level, leadership that works, leadership that has both control and vision. This comes out of the visual framework. And you know what? We go to work and we enjoy ourselves. We go to work not to work. As Taichi Ono said once of the Toyota workforce, but we go to think. People don't go to Toyota to work, they go to think. The enterprise becomes increasingly fluid, increasingly connected. If you want to say self-aware, you could make that point. Because there is this system of connectivity through the language of visuality that shares information deeply and completely, precisely, and on time. And we can attend to other parts of the company, the part of the company called growth. You can't grow your company when your company is unstable. When it is in a form of chaos, you can't grow. You're too busy putting out fires. Visuality creates that stability and also that viability. 
That's sustainability. Yes, standard work makes a huge contribution. And I would like to take that up in about five shows. Right now, we're in the midst of, this is our second week of a little mini-series on the evolution and background of Lean, the interconnectivity with visual, 5S. This is the unfolding docudrama, a story that I had the privilege, at least in part, to live. And I'm telling you, I'm reliving it in the retelling. And I invite you to join me in that Right after, just a few announcements we'll pick up for today. I want to tell you, these are the announcements. There are just two weeks left in our October Madness offer. This came out of our marketing team. They're very excited. I'm excited. I was surprised. All members of the Visual Workplace, you sign on free as a member, you will have free access for the entire month of October to the first training module in my 12-module series called Work That Makes Sense, Operator-Led Visuality. So gather your operator teams, whether you're in a hospital or a manufacturing plant, have a training session, introduce them to visuality through this terrific material, and see what happens. See what improvements come out of that, and see the appetite for visuality increase. Get acquainted with the system. Now's your chance. It is free. Not a member, just join. The buttons are right there on the home page. And we believe when you watch this system, you will want the entire system. And we want to make that easy. And for the month of October, just a few weeks left, you can get the entire system because of this madness. Half off, 50% off. It was about $4,800. It's now $2,400 October only. Not a member join. It's free. And members get, whether it's October or not, lots of free stuff. We were always putting something in the bucket of your membership so that you are, have the chance to continually remember and use visuality. Certainly, you are given a subscription to our weekly newsletter, which I, which I like a lot. I do an article every week. And... Um, we're getting, we're getting responses from people who are contemplating this material. So go to visualworkplace.com and join and get this free stuff. October's got two weeks left. And I also want to tell you that we have a complete process for training of trainers, a complete process to get your trainers launched in work that makes sense, visual displays, visual leadership, pokeyoke, whatever, complete Right now we're working on, we're focusing on work that makes sense, but um, this is what we do. We share our knowledge. We want to make you self-sufficient. And you can do everything online if that's easier for you. If you want some help, just call us and we will help you out. I also want to point out to you that on the homepage is a, what we call our video gallery, which are segments. There are currently six of them. Segments about visuality in the workplace, about visuality in the community, about us, about 5S. We're going to keep adding to this. Much of what I'm going to talk about today you can see in moving pictures on our homepage. Please visit us and please take advantage of what's free and buy as you wish. Visualworkplace.com or you can email us at radio at visualworkplace.com. We're always happy to hear from you, always happy to talk and to share. Thank you. Okay, now let's get to today. Today. Well, today, last week, 
we talked about the importance of lean. Remember, it was called lean alone is not enough. We talked about the importance of lean, the incredible contributions that have made been made through the lean technology. We talked about lean itself as a superior time-based conversion methodology. And we also talked about sustainment, sustaining lean, and how lean alone is not enough. Lean gets you there, but it cannot keep you there. That's where visuality comes in. Visuality embeds your lean, embeds your operational system. As I said a few moments ago, the system that you developed using lean technology, visuality makes sure it stays in place, is followed, is adhered to, but also allows you to go further because it gives you a stable platform. If we accept that for a brief shining moment, what I just said, that visuality is needed to make sure that your lean stays strong and grows stronger, we can get closer to understanding the nub of the matter when I say lean alone is not enough. Last week I mentioned Dan Jones, I'm sorry, uh, yeah, Malcolm Jones, I beg your pardon, Malcolm Jones and Jim Womack and their wonderful book, Lean Thinking, and their wonderful contribution These are stellar thought leaders, stellar, and their contribution has been huge. But in the process of writing Lean Thinking, I think probably their most famous book, certainly the most revolutionary, 1996-97, they inadvertently overlooked some things. Mm And we're going to talk about that today, and that will take us into a kind of analysis of the connection of visual and lean. We're not going to go into great depth, but we're going to touch upon that. And that will bring us into 5S, which I really want to talk about in some detail over several shows. Its origins in Japan, how it morphed when it came to the U.S., how it got messed up a little bit. Then we'll talk in another show about some remedies, a kind of 5S resurrection, or so is my plan. So so when Jim and Dan published, I beg your pardon, why do I do that? I must know somebody named Dan Jones. Dan Jones? It is Dan Jones, not Malcolm Jones. Okay, I am right. All right. So when Jim and Dan, I feel uncomfortable about that. I'll look it up during the break. When Womack and Jones (laughs) published Lean Thinking, they offered the world a book that codified the core principles of a new operational model, one we had been messing with with for about 10 years. It was called JIT, was time-based, and though not directly stated, they created a kind of profile of the Toyota production system based on a set of five principles that was revelatory and very useful. They added a deeper logic to JIT, standard work, Kanban, load leveling, and all the other associated operational mechanisms. And the impact of the book in that model was nothing short of dazzling. Its elements worked and they worked well together. Finally, we had a way of contemplating the war on waste that was drawn broadly enough for it to apply to many 
in fact, to any work venue. And this was a coup and a contribution of a very high order. Kudos, kudos. Plus, the lean thinking model positioned everybody's marketing and sales as a partner to operations. And that was a surprise to many. They noted five principles. Value, value stream, flow, pull, and perfection. Who could argue with these? And few of us did. I certainly didn't at the time. But as time went by, a problem appeared, a problem that was very close to my own heart, to my own horizon. And so I contemplated it. And I'll talk to you more about it. I think you already know what I'm going to talk about right after this, our first break. I'll see you when you get back. I will be here. (laughs) Let's go into our first break. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Now there's a new destination for video content, voiceamerica.tv, just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7, voiceamerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call one 866 472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. Welcome to the second half of our show today at the Visual Workplace, where we are talking about the implications of the lean model in reference to, in a little while, 
to visuality, to 5S and visuality. So, let us continue. And by the way, I realize that I have a friend named Malcolm Jones in England, and that's what my confusion is. That's also the confusion that you may have found in the blurb, which we will correct, the blurb that we sent out on this radio show. So, just before the break, I noted the five principles that Will Mac and Jones noted, value the value stream, flow, pull, and perfection, their model. But as a model, in my view, the model that Womack and Jones defined was and remains incomplete. A core principle was left out. This was a problem of omission, not commission. They simply left something out, and maybe for their own purposes. Although, from all of my reading and my following of the work in the field, I think this is not uh, foremost or anywhere in the um, forefront of their thinking, these two guys. These two great guys. They're great guys. Great guys. In particular, I like Dan Jones. He's very imposing, wonderful English accent, and he feels like he knows everything. And he, and he knows a great deal. A principle was left out, omitted. Interestingly, the omitted thing was and is invisible to most eyes anyway. And it is the principle of visual information sharing, the visual workplace. And if you understand the visual workplace as I do, which I believe is correctly, I say rather immodestly, visuality is the information side of the equation, the information side that is embedded into your operational system. It isn't just paste on point solutions. It is a system of thinking like lean thinking. It's visual thinking. And it creates a system, the very ground in which your lean operational system resides or I say should reside. If you the way I suspect Womack and Jones does, if you think of the visual workplace as a series of point solutions, clever, useful, you will miss my meaning. You will see chunks of visual devices, Kanban, Andon, color coding, and the like. And these will be enablers or supports to value the value stream pull flow perfection. You may not be wrong on a micro level. These tools, all tools, are enablers of each other and of some greater concept. But you will be missing the level of principle. Workplace visuality is a system first, and more than that, it is a system of systems, as I mentioned. And if you know that the visual workplace is the very ground in which these systems reside we will get closer to the point. All work is the translation of information into exact behavior. The behavior of machines, the behavior of people, the behavior of the company and its supply chain. Workplace visuality is the ground in which the stream of value we call work exists. Let me put it another way. The conversion of material, or if you will, thought, into greater value, some of its products, some of its services, what the customer is willing to pay for value, requires two core ingredients. Information, the specs, the work instructions, 
and a physical locale. Even when the work is computer-based, the implements of work are physical. The computer will tell you what to do or show you, but you're still going to have to do it. So there is a required marriage of information and physicality. And this is what makes the visual workplace a required operational concept, principle, construct. Lean with standard work as the organizer, and I believe that is the heart of Lean, does a remarkable job in identifying and shrinking flow distance and flow time, namely the value stream. But if that information is not physically embedded, the information that the value stream holds in order to deliver its value, that stream of value unravels. Without the logic of visuality, in fact, that stream of value can only be partly found. It isn't even complete. The purpose of visuality is to embed the gross and minute details of your operational system into the living landscape of work, that physicality, because those details, gross and minute, are the work. This is bedrock. Information in the workplace literally defines the five lean principles that Jones and Womack set forth in their groundbreaking book. Made visual, that information becomes an active partner in realizing those five by embedding them. Hidden in plain sight, visual information sharing is the platform on which lean happens. And so without visuality, lean is you know, heading for an early demise. It simply can't hold the form. This is a marvelous partnership between information and time, between visuality and lean, information-based technology and time-based technology, improvement technologies. That's why I say that visuality is not just a principle of lean thinking. It is its equal and powerful partner, on the journey to something greater, and that greater is called operational excellence. This active partnership between visual and lean is the only way that destination of excellence can be achieved and sustained. So when in 1996-97, Jim and Dan placed 5S as the first step on the journey to lean and spoke of its importance, the importance of transparency in everything, Back then, I assumed, however wrongly, that they too had discovered the impeccable logic that makes visual workplace indispensable to the war on waste. I had assumed that they knew visuality is the very ground in which the principles of their new model must reside. They just omitted to say so. But I was wrong. I was wrong and perhaps Wrong is the wrong uh, word. Perhaps they weren't responsible for the problems that we had with 5S. But I will say that because there was not a framework holding 5S, 5S has done so much damage. And it shouldn't be that way. 5S is a very nice and friendly, useful methodology, sub-methodology. It doesn't deserve to be crowned empress or emperor of the day, but it certainly is useful 
And with that as a kind of um, jumping off point, I would like to begin a kind of analysis and deconstruction of 5S and look at it closely when it came to the United States and also do my best to resurrect it, give you some pointers that I have found very useful over the years because if you've had trouble with 5S, I did too back in the 1980s. The the troubles had to do with me as an American and had to do with it as a Japanese model. And I think it is worth talking about this. I am not leaving the discussion of lean, but since we have adopted the idea that 5S is the beginning, the first step on the journey to operational excellence, or if you will, a smaller focus would be lean, I think it's important for us to look at this. There have been so many tears spilt because of 5S not working. And there have been, of course, notable, dazzling exceptions. So I want to kind of give you my take on what the origins of the model of 5S is, are, and other things that are glued on. I myself began implementing 5S when it first came to the United States in 1983-84. It was quite a journey. I learned a lot. And by the way, I passed on what I learned in the form of my work, my books, my DVDs, and also now uh, operator-led visuality. I have another book called Visual Systems, which is 5S. I'm going to do a recapitulation of that book and probably rename it, if I possibly can, 5S on steroids, with many of the adaptations we'll be discussing here. But let's look at the historical timeline first. When 5S came to the United States in 1984, companies began to implement their understanding of workplace organization. Industrial housekeeping, it was also called. I was working at a company that became quite famous, called Productivity Inc., the umbrella company for a consulting group, development group, R&D, and also for Productivity Press, the premier purveyor of books and knowledge from Japan. We were, in that company, amongst the first to deploy this knowledge, enough to turn it into know-how. There was good in 5S, but also there were struggles, blind alleys and stalls. The Japanese model seemed so simple, but boy, it was not simple to implement. The idea was simple, but it was not simple to put into place. Mm? So we'll pick this up after our next break, and we'll get into uh, the emperor and the Japanese way and some other interesting tidbits like that. See you in a moment. I will be here when you get back. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. 
Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Many industries have been revolutionized by technology in the last decade. Books, music, TV, communications, and now it's happening to our money and the way we pay. Tune in to Breaking Banks with Brett King for a look at how technology and customer behavior will bring about more changes in banking in the next 10 years than in the last 200 years. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific on Voice America Business Channel or on AM 1160 The Voice. You'll never look at your bank account the same again. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. Welcome to the third segment of our show today at the Visual Workplace. I'm Gwendolyn Galsworth, and we are now launching into the uh, 5S in Japan, the origins of the model, as a way to begin to frame an understanding of change, of where transformation did happen, had to happen, why it happened, what was the kind of entanglement we got ourselves into. I think it is worth a closer look. And as we begin, I want to make thing one thing extremely clear. My take on 5S in Japan and 5S in the West and everything connected is not meant as a criticism of anything. And certainly not of the many, many 5S activities that have happened and do happen every day around the world. I praise the fortitude and diligence, the sincerity and the creativity of these efforts. Many, many of them have been exceptionally successful, providing tremendous monetary benefit to the companies that deploy them and also triggering and growing and inspired an engaged workforce. These results have been dazzling by any measure. 
watching that happen over nearly three decades of hands-on work in the field has been enlightening. I am an active practitioner. I'm not an academic. I write books because I love to write and because the good Lord has given me a gift for writing. In other words, it's not hard. It's something that I would almost rather do than anything except maybe ballroom dancing. I get as much of a high from writing as I do dancing. It's just like dancing. So I want you to know that I am not observing this. I've been part of the battles. (laughs) And as interesting as it has been, to watch the success of 5S, it has also been very interesting to watch and participate in and to struggle with what happens when 5S doesn't work and how it doesn't work. Why, in fact, in some companies it has not only failed, but is considered by those companies a a detrimental force. No company ever launched 5S with failure or detriment ever in mind. Some of the companies that experienced that have remained puzzled as to what happened and why. Others are shocked, sorely disappointed, or just plain old turn off, turned off. They, were, they feel a bit deceived. This is simple. This is supposed to work. Many think they did something wrong. And others are certain that the fault lies with 5S itself. My purpose in addressing 5S in this way is to respond to both possibilities because, in fact, both are partially correct and partially incorrect. And it is important to understand this so that we can learn and so that we can make better choices because we understand more and more completely. So going back historically, Toyota was one of the very first companies in Japan to adopt 5S very early on or 5S-like principles. Toyota's main concern was safety. It knew that a cluttered, dirty, disorganized work environment was physically unsafe and that there was an ongoing risk to people that was both distracting them from doing their work, but also keeping them from doing their work well. As these companies, Toyota included, saw it, 5S would add to the bottom line by reducing accidents and risk as cost drivers and allow people to simply do their work. So that's interesting, isn't it? They didn't do for the neatness or the cleanness. They did it for safety. Mm -hmm. And they were looking at specific outcomes. Part of the outcome was physical. We're going to look at physical outcomes and emotional outcomes. Part was physical. The physical part was reliable This is the evolution of 5S. We're looking at it now as it was when it came to our shores about 1983-84. So let's just put a marker. This is 1980 5S in Japan. The outcome, physical. Reliable, high-level, daily cleanliness. What the Japanese like to call white glove clean. If you have a white glove, you put it on a surface, the glove is still going to be white. You put your finger on a surface, it comes up white. 
physical outcome number two, order and orderliness to rival a bento box. A bento box is one of those lunch boxes or dinner boxes that the Japanese, it's their carryout. And everything is organized because of the boundaries, if you will, because of the borders that are in the boxes themselves. Rival a bento box, that's what you see when you see a good bordering system. Everything is extremely preset. A place for everything. Everything in its place. In Japan, operators do and did 5S as part of their jobs. Uh, 5S aligned perfectly with the values of the Japanese societies. Of the, uh, Japanese society, I beg your pardon. Companies in Japan use 5S. I'll say used so you know this was the way it always was. Used 5S to motivate operators by recognizing and rewarding their 5S activities. But there's another part of the 5S approach in Japan that was very important, and that's the emotional part. The societal values around 5S parallel pretty closely the societal values that people have around family and community. From their earliest days, Japanese children are taught, for example, that human fulfillment comes from close association with others. This is part of mother's milk. And that society is interdependent. First family, later extending to neighborhood, then to school, to playground community, and quite naturally, company. In Japanese culture, working together, and if you will, doing 5S together, fosters this sense of higher purpose, beauty, strength, service, and contribution. There's this wonderful Japanese proverb, a single arrow is easily broken, but not in a bundle, but not ten in a bundle. And another one that I love, individually we are one drop, together we are the ocean, together we are the ocean. And an image that incorporates this is called the four friends. I put it in the newsletter this week because I was talking about this show. And what you see here in the four friends, you can see a picture in our newsletter. You can also see it on our homepage in the video section that's called the video gallery. The segment goes on for about 15 or 18 minutes. That is called 5S Origins of the Model. The very thing we're talking about today, all those images are there. And what you see is an elephant, and standing on the elephant is a monkey, and standing on the monkey is a rabbit, and standing on the rabbit is a bluebird. And these four animals, who don't normally run together, they don't truck together, are working together to plant a tree and to keep it growing. The tree is behind them full of fruit. And it's an image that captures this sense that we're in it together. Let's collaborate. Let's protect our work. Let's harvest the fruits. This is a core value in Japan. Friendship, cooperations, cooperation, good relations, 
without considering hierarchy, strength, power, or size. In the West, we also have a powerful set of values, but it it is not these. And I will also say, do not be deceived by what I just said about hierarchy, because it is there in spades in Japan, but it simply isn't expressed in this particular value set where we are cooperating across hierarchy to achieve a greater sense of power and strength. Americans often minimize status differences. We like the playing field to be flat so that we all have equal chance, equal access. But in Japan... And I've been to Japan a number of times, studied their society, and read a book I'm going to recommend to you in a moment. It's called, I'll just say it right now, The Chrysanthemum and the Sword. I'll talk about that more in a moment, The Chrysanthemum and the Sword. In Japan, people feel awkward around no differences. Their comfort is to behave according to status expectations. There is a status ladder. There is, as it were, a set of rules, a food chain. And people feel awkward. They think it's unbecoming when a person doesn't behave in accordance with status expectations. That's a rule. Stay within the way that Benedict talks about it, this book that I'm referring to by Ruth Benedict, The Chrysanthemum and the Sword, is stay within your band. You can do what you want within your band, but don't cross over your band. And there's a set of expectations. There are, there is, this is in uh, pre-World uh, War II Japan. There, is, there are prescriptions about the kinds of clothes you can wear consistent with your band. This easily morphs over to, and this is Gwendolyn making the connection, but I think I can make a case here. Japanese love of audits. Their love of audits to check 5S to ensure that 5S rules are followed and then to reward those who do it and do it, may I say, perfectly? Perfectly. But the audit also has an emotional component. It is the component of this pursuit of perfection that Womack and Jones spoke of. The pursuit of perfection is a part of the Toyota production system. I'm not sure it translates that well in our rowdy, rambunctious West, certainly the United States. The audit reflects the high value that Japanese society, managers and operators alike, place on perfection. It is an extension of societal values. And I'm not saying that the West does not value these things. We do. But, here's the point, other things drive us. These do not drive us. Other things do. I have to pick this up after the next break. I'll be here when you get back. Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business. 
Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, welcome back to the fourth segment of our show today. We are now deeply into the discussion of the origins of the 5S model. And I am, in discussing this, attempting to set up some differences that will, in fact, did, in fact, play themselves out when 5S hit our shores. Next week, we're going to be talking about something that I've chosen to call 5S crimes and misdemeanors because I want to talk about what happened when 5S came? Because there are companies out there that are still wondering, what did we do wrong? We did the playbook. Why didn't we succeed the way we were supposed to? Why wasn't the promise delivered? My heart goes out to you. There's, there, are, there are societal reasons, and I'm trying to kind of set them up now so we can have a further discussion on this next week. So this... Love, this love, deeply embedded love of perfection, motivates the Japanese workforce to score and score high on their 5S activities and by extension on their 5S audits. All I am saying in a nutshell is these kinds of things don't drive us here in the United States and I don't think anywhere in the West. 
It's not that important to us. In Japan, this pursuit of 5S perfection has risen to Olympic-like status. Just as Japanese athletes will excel in pursuit of the precision and strength that's needed to win Olympic medals, for real. So it is with 5S. But it's not about the competition. It isn't even about winning. It is about the pursuit of perfection. If you've ever been to Japan and you've ever picked up a $500 or $5,000 T-bowl, you get it. There it is. It's a bowl. We're going to put the tea in it. We're going to bring it to our mouth. We're going to swallow it. <laughs> but Japan, this is one expression of perfection. It's highly valued. Japan is the only place on the planet where a baseball game can and frequently does end in a tie, a draw, by design. If it is not a draw, and everyone prefers it to be, but it is a defeat instead, the game still ends in a bow. Only the so-called losing team bows lower in deference to the victors. Hmm? Because obviously they are more perfect. And it doesn't quite work that way in the West, where an entirely different set of societal goals, rule, status, winning, competitiveness, competition, winning, coming out on top, being number one. And the prize better be something more than a tiny trophy or a handshake or a happy face sticker. It's a different society. Japanese society and Japanese companies are hierarchical to this day. There is a status ladder. Do not be deceived that the West has had such an impact that that has gone away. It is implicit, if not as explicit anymore. It is there. But more to the point, there are bands within which you move. And within that band, you are with equals. And outside that band, well, you better not go outside. You don't cross over to another band. Though some of this is beginning to erode because of our interface. Japan's interface with the West Status in Japan is still largely based on your band, the band, B-A-N-D, the kind of ribbon you were born into. Not a musical band, but a band of duties and obligations and privileges that fit within that boundary. And they are not equal. There is much in Japan that promotes and values relation and values relationships between unequals. But from the point of view of if you are in a higher band, your obligation to protect. We saw this throughout the shogun period, throughout the samurai period. Your obligation to protect and support on the one side and on the receiving side, indebtedness, your gratitude. This two-sided dynamic is what binds individuals tightly linking the Japanese into a societal dependency that involves and requires giving and receiving, a kind of harmony, a kind of balance. You excel, but only within the confines of your societal band. For operators, 5S is one opportunity to excel. And it is praised by managers 
This is entirely natural, as natural as mother's milk, 5S and the requirements of the 5S audit fit precisely into this. It is a sustainment tool because it sustains the values that are held so near. Please remember this as we next week begin to discuss the morph and the struggle that happened when something so simple as 5S came to the United States and it failed. Not everywhere, but enough for us to notice, to be saddened by, and to ask why. If you want to learn more about Japanese society and the kind of thing I'm talking about and what it means to excel within your societal band, read The Chrysanthemum and the Sword. This is a remarkable book on the patterns of Japanese culture. It was written by a brilliant woman, Ruth Benedict. She was a contemporary of another brilliant anthropologist, Margaret Mead. And The Chrysanthemum and the Sword was a study undertaken by the U.S. government after Pearl Harbor. Because the government said, you know what, we're going to fight this nation. We may win. We think we'll win. We better understand this, this country that we had previously no interest in at all. Because one day, we're either going to be ruled or rule. And because we were at war, interestingly, Miss Benedict couldn't go to Japan to do her research. And yet she was supposed to analyze and uncover the mind and the heart of Japan. So what she did instead, interestingly, was go to the hundreds of U.S.-based concentration camps that we held everyone with Japanese heritage in because we thought they were spies, even though many, many of them were born in the United States or were naturalized U.S. citizens. I can understand doing it, but nobody asked me anyway. And Benedict surfaced those sharp differences in history and custom and values by interviewing hundreds upon hundreds. I should say there were dozens of camps. She interviewed hundreds of Japanese. And she put this together because the woman was brilliant. Her ability, as with all anthropologists, is to find the pattern. First, you have to look for them. You have to know that you're in an unknown and then you find the pattern. And for the purposes of our discussion, if you want to read a book, and for me it was a soap opera, especially if you sue somebody outside of your band, a higher band, and you win the case, your reward is to be uh, executed. (laughs) It's just so interesting. This, of course, is medieval society. I'm not saying that goes on Uh, technically today, but it's so interesting. Read about this. And it would have been nice to know about this about 20 years ago before we embraced 5S whole hog and got ourselves into a tangle because we didn't understand its origins. So we'll pick this up next week. I had a lovely time with you today. I hope you find this very, very useful. Go to our homepage. You will see a video on this. It's about 17 minutes. It's in our gallery. It's called 5S Origins of the Model. It was put together with you in mind. Thank you. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth. I'm signing off. Let the workplace speak. We appreciate your joining us this week for The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense. 
Please tune in for another episode next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, featuring your host, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, on the Voice America Business Channel. Thanks again for listening. Thank you.